Hey, hey, what's up, senders? Welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. This is episode 43 with special guest Jeff Kroom, a motivational speaker and a life coach who got his teeth sharp by learning from the one and only Jim Rome. A little bit about Jeff, you guys. Jeff has been encouraging and empowering people to achieve their highest potential for over 25 years. Now, Jeff leverages his experience in personal development training, crisis intervention, hospice and palliative care, and pastoral ministry to share strategies and inspiration that will help you unlock your potential, fulfill your destiny, and supercharge your success on and off the bike. Jeff's message of faith, hope, and destiny has been felt in over 200 countries around the world. His infectious zest for life, charismatic personality, and compassion for humanity has made Jeff one of today's most influential and memorable speakers. Guys, before we get into this episode with Jeff Kroom, I do want to say thank you so much to the supporters of the show. Without these supporters, the show would not be out there. So thank you so much to YT Industries. Live uncaged with YT. If you see me out on the trails, you will see me out on the YT Jeff C Core 4. And I'm also keeping my eye on those decoys and those new Capras just came out. So if you are in the market for a bike or maybe for a future bike, take a look at YT. Make sure it's in your mix and just take a peek and see what you think about those bikes. I feel that they are amazing and a ton of fun. I also want to say thank you so much to Tasco, Tasco Apparel. The Awesome Shirt Company makes way more than shirts. Very comfortable gloves for us out there on the mountain bikes. Whether you like wearing gloves for protection or maybe you're the type that doesn't like gloves because they feel bulky, Tasco has you covered from gloves that are so light they feel like lingerie for your hands to the gloves that are thicker and more protective for the weed whacking on those single tracks. So thank you, Tasco, for your support on the show. If you do see anything you want to buy at Tasco, if you click on the link in the description box, you will automatically get 15% off of your purchase. Again, if you click on the special link in the discount in the description box, the discount is 15% off for Tasco. And finally, thank you to Curtis Ellis and the folks there at Spy Optic. Spy has been a supporter of the show from the get-go. I love wearing their foundation goggles when I'm out riding my mountain bike. And when I'm not on the bike, I love all of their lifestyle glasses from the Cyrus to the Discords to the Monoliths and just recently got in some Flynn 5050s. So I can't wait to share those with you guys. If you are in need of eyewear, please consider Spy Optic as they are one of the supporters of the show and you will get a 10% discount at Spy if you use promo code SENDERS. Again, if you use promo code SENDERS10, you'll get 10% off of your purchase at spyoptic.com. All right, folks, without further ado, my special guest, Mr. Jeff Kroom. Hey, what's up, senders? Welcome back to another episode of the Segment Podcast. Jeff, welcome aboard to the show, my man. We did it. I'm actually here. I got, I got, a, pin, I got a pinch myself. I'm sitting <laughs> next to Mark Hill from the Segment. Wow, oh, it's it's awesome to have you here, man. It's, I'm I'm so stoked you could be here because a lot of the 
reasons why I created the segment is to help impact people and be a positive um, impact on people's lives um, in the sport of mountain biking and beyond. And I've been watching your your inspirational clips on YouTube and on Instagram, and I've become quickly a fan of everything that you have done. And then I went to your website and, and checked you out there. I was like, I got to get Jeff on the show. There was there was space and there was time, and I was like, Jeff, we had just wrote it to Lisa. I was like, Come on, Jeff, you got to get on the segment, please. So thank you, man. Yeah, you're welcome. It's my pleasure. It's good to good to be here. You know, it's interesting because with your face all over YouTube and all over Instagram. Um, when I finally get to meet people, it's kind of like you're already our superheroes, right? You're out there doing it. The podcast is running. The YouTube is running. Um, but what's so neat, Mark, is the community is just a bunch of us, right? And then when we connect on a deeper level or a level like this, we realize that we're in this game together. We're in this walk together. And that's what I've always felt from you, which is really, really cool. It's all this inclusive flock um, that is helping one another. So it's good. It's awesome yeah. to be here. So. I love it. I love it. Uh, shout out to some of the folks in the audience already. We got John, the bike guy is the on board. Guy. Yeah, John. Hey, John. <laughs> What's up, John? And uh, this just popped up, you guys. We have, we have, you guys are going to have to name him. Senders, please name him. We have Uncaged MTB backstage. He is producing the show tonight and co-hosting. Yeah. Mr. Joey Yates is on board. He may Ooh. pop his head up there, but uh, he is here. There he yeah, is. There he is. <laughs> hey, Joey. Hey guys. <laughs> so guys, we need a name for Joey. If you guys could think of a name, pop it into the comments. Uh, Joey's going to be helping produce the show. And uh, thank you so much, Joey. Uncaged yes. MTB is in the house. You'll see him yes. going on and off yes, here. Yes. All right. We got Timothy Haley up in the Santa Clarita area. What's up, Tim? Wow. Great to see you, man. And uh, hope you're doing well. I know you're lining up for shoulder surgery soon, but uh, oh. I've been getting your text about rides. So he's been out there getting after it which is great. Um, Timothy Haley uh, was uh, in the services for us for the United States. He was one of our warriors. And uh, due to all that, he's scheduled for some shoulder surgery. So that could happen any day. Adam Mock is in the house. Woo! Yes. What's up, Adam Mock? And another producer, producer Debbie is in the house. What's up, Debbie? Good to see you. Debbie, Debbie, we just rode together at Summit, Debbie. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. You guys look like you had a great time, man. It was awesome. It was fun chasing her. She's hard to keep up with. She was gone. I, I just got down the shoot with her and she was already through the berms and headed to the first jump. She did. I think she backed off a little bit just to let me catch up. Right, Debbie? <laughs> nice. Nice. You know, she, uh, she's been doing those races at, at Sky Park every Thursday Sky Park was having races. I'm not sure if those races are already over or not, but uh, she's been there pretty much religiously every Thursday. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, think that she'd be slow after all that practice. So that's <laughs> great. Yeah, oh my gosh! Some of those races were like in pajamas or something, Mark. They were riding <laughs> in their pajamas because she went from Summit to there. I looked at her Strava. She she you know clocked like 39 miles you know, 9,000 feet or more than that. I think it was quite a day for her. So that's yeah. a huge, my gosh, that's a huge day. That's a huge day. Debbie, you are inspira inspirational to us all and always having a good time and you're just out there charging it. I, I just love seeing you on here and seeing you out on the trails all the time. Um, Debbie, there's uh, these races that they do there, Jeff, and Debbie's done them. I think you've done them all. Um, but basically they have two serious races and they have a fun race. And the fun race is usually very creative. It's something, you know, like 
like taking an egg and putting it on your head and taking your chain off your bike and trying to make it down arrow. <laughs> oh, <gosh. Yeah. laughs> so it's, they're, they're getting really creative and they're having fun with it. Um, MTB Octodad, Mr. Marty, all the way from New Zealand is in the house tonight. Wow. What's up, buddy? What? Yeah. That's so cool. It is lunchtime tomorrow for Marty. <laughs> wow. Right? The time difference. Wow. So, what's up, buddy? Great to see you. Great to see you. Well, guys, I'm really excited to, to dive into this episode tonight because uh, Jeff is a fellow mountain biker in the MTB community. But uh, he's also a, a life coach, a motivational speaker, just an all-around great guy. Definitely take a look at his website, jeffkroom.com, when you get a chance. And I'll put the, all that description in the description box. But let's get into Jeff's story and learn a little bit about how Jeff entered into the mountain bike world and joined the mountain bike community. Um, Jeff, tell us, how did you even get onto a mountain bike? <laughs> well... Mountain biking actually became um, one of my therapies, uh, Mark. Uh, I think I was sharing a little bit about my my story. It probably ties in with me physically uh, more than anything. And I, I don't know that I posted a lot of this on Instagram, maybe way back when. Um, but I, I found myself kind of um, at a point in life where I was definitely not happy with myself. You know, whether it was business or relationships or whatever, I just wasn't happy. I was completely overweight. Um, I used to weigh about 230, 235 pounds. Right. And so I remember playing golf, Mark, and uh, I remember walking up onto the green and I would have to hold myself up on my putter. Right. Because I was out of breath. I mean, we're talking about an elevation to walk the green. And, um, you know, the pain that we go through, the places that we find ourselves in life, sometimes we wake up and go, I never would have thought that I would be here. And even when we're so-called happy on the outside, there can be things that are on the inside that are weighing us down. And that was what it was with me. Now, I really wasn't a foodaholic. Um, I was probably a Starbucksaholic more than anything else at all. <laughs> um, I would consume probably 2,000, 3,000 calories uh, just in the morning alone, coffee and Danish and whatever, and I'd sit and watch the sun come up. But uh, at 240 pounds, um, I was completely overweight. And I remember driving my car uh, up over the hill to Starbucks. It was about a mile and a half. Drove it from my house every morning, sit down there and do my thing. I would write and journal, et cetera. And um, one day I was driving my car over this hill and I looked out the side window and there was this man and he was probably 65, 70 years old. And he was jogging up the same hill that I was running up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Not only was he jogging, Mark, but he had like a club foot on the right side. So oh he's God. fumbling, if you can imagine, his way up this hill. And something hit me like a ton of bricks. It said, you know, Jeff, there is no, no excuse for you. Um, you've got to take action uh, on your life right now. So I'm telling you, it was like magic. The next morning, my shoes went on, my sweats went on, and I headed out the door. And the same hill that I used to drive every day, I determined that I was going to walk. Walking turned to jogging, jogging turned to running, running turned to hit training, high impact interval training. And yeah. at that time, mountain biking hit me. I started on a hardtail entry level $600 giant bike that I bought from Bicycle Warehouse. It oh was my gosh. a mountain bike. And brother, I had that thing at Vail. I didn't even know what a Vail was, but I was riding <laughs> this hardtail, you know, 120 mil travel in the front. I knew nothing about a bike. 
But what I knew is that I was finally taking some bit of what I felt like control over my life. And instead of life happening to me, I was going to happen to it. I was going to be deliberate and intentional about what I was doing. And um, three years, nine months, and seven days, I weighed in at a cool 165 pounds, 14% body fat, with a resting heart rate under 50, brother. And and my life changed. Uh, So when I talk about mountain biking, I'm extremely passionate because I know that if I would have never got on and pedaled, um, who knows where I'd be or what I would do. Uh, I've, I've often said I'm, 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 a, I'm, an, I'm glad that I'm an addict to mountain biking because if I would have got hooked on anything else, any other <laughs> substance or whatever you call it, I'd have been most miserable in my life. But so mountain biking plays a huge uh, a part in my um, physical transformation. I think I sent you a couple of pictures before and after. It's, it's something to look back and see on, but that's a that's amazing. That's an amazing story. And I feel like a lot of people either are waiting for that aha moment or they've had it hit and then sometimes they just need it to hit harder. But for you, what was it about that moment that just grabbed you that made you take action? What what was that? You know, it's it's sometimes sometimes I don't think the human human language is developed enough to express what's going on in a person's heart and soul. Whenever you try to put a word to it, you actually minimize the impact. It's like this, wow, this reverberation happens. And then that happens. And then all of a sudden the mind tries to kick in and go, what, what, what just happened to me? And, and I think for me, Mark, I, I, and I'm, I'm 56 now, so I was probably um, in my mid forties then when that all this happened, late forties. And I just had one of these moments to realize that if I didn't change, see, I, I kept I kept using the cross finger theory in my life. I'm thinking one day everything's going to change, right? One yeah. day it's going to be okay. And you know what happens? The the way, and I'm just talking about a physical right now moment. But the weight crept up on me in such mm-hmm. small increments. I kept telling myself, "Oh, I can handle this. Oh, I can manage this. It's only a pound. It's only five. It's only ten. Then we get to the point where we reach the point where we go, I'm disgusted with myself, Mm. but I'm so into this lethargic um, pattern of my life. How the hell do I get out? What do I do? And um, so in the midst of this, I think personally, it was seeing that man jogging up that hill. There was something about this man. and, And maybe it was because I had a list of excuses too. Or why I wasn't doing well, you know, the government, my paycheck, my boss, if I just got a raise, if life would just be better for me, if I would just get more opportunity, then I would be okay. If somebody came around to help me, I'd be okay. You know what? I've never found it, brother. Nobody's knocking on my door going, hey, Jeff, it's 5 a.m. Get your rear out of bed. We're going to go run today. Nobody comes to rescue you. And, and truly what I've learned and gleaned in my life is you don't want them to. I just kind of shifted gears and went another way, but it was on my heart. You don't want somebody to rescue you because if you get somebody to rescue you, you're going to need to keep them to rescue you at the next monumental moment in your life. And guess what? But the, the physicality wasn't only but one monumental moment in my life that needed to change. But if we ask for people to rescue us rather than help me rescue myself, 
life, God, universe, substance, whatever you have to do, knock me over the head with a wooden spoon, a mallet, an iron cast skillet, whatever you got to do to get my attention. And I believe that life answered me. I see this guy. I'm going, I can change. I think there was something that clicked in me, Mark, that finally shifted between I can't do this. I'm never going to do this. I don't know how to do this. To I can do this. And when that happened, and it was so cool to watch my progress, all of a sudden, the pounds started to drop one, three, five. And you know what happened? This other guy in me woke up. It's like I disrupted. He just woke up. And I got turned on by physicality. I got turned on by running. So I would run three, five miles a day. I would bike six, seven miles a day. I would go to HIIT training, body pump, body combat three, four times a week. I was just, you know, to the wall out on it. And the progress was amazing. And uh, so I think sometimes you don't wait for it to happen. You have to decide that this is the time that I draw the line in the sand and go, I'm changing my life right, right now, right now. I love it. I love it. There always seems to be that pivotal point in every story that ends like that, that's, that changes someone like this, that they, they're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, I'm not sure, but you froze on my end, Mark. Mentally, yeah, mentally we're we're there, and um, it takes something. Adam Ock says, independence and preach it. We also had um, MTB Octodad, he says, revelation. Uh, Debbie says this, this story, legend, legend. Love it. See, Mark, before, I have to tell the audience too, guys, you've got to understand when we look at people who share stories that make us go, wow, you got to realize that I'm no different than you are. There's a wow on the inside of you just waiting to happen. In fact, I say it this way. The you that you were created to be is just waiting to collide with the you that you are. And here's also what I want to tell you. I don't care how many times you drew the line in the sand because I'm talking to somebody right now. You say, Jeff, I drew my line. But guess what? I only did this and then I gave up and I quit. You know what you got to do, brother? You got to draw another line. And you know what? When you fail at crossing that one, you got to draw another one. And you know what you do, Debbie? You draw another one and Mm -hmm. another one. And I'm telling you what? There's you keep with that determination. You can't keep a you can't keep me down. You can't keep a warrior down. Right. You might shovel shit on top of him. Pardon me. Can I say that? Yeah, we're absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you can shovel that stuff on top of him. But when shit happens, a shift needs to happen. That yeah. that inner thing, Mark, that happened to me, it it went off. But but then again, not to make the story pie in the sky. Because then we went through that, but there's another um, battlefield that we've got to fight through. There, there's a relationship, there's a financial, there's a work. So all of it is about finding a method, a formula, if you would, that you can begin to apply at every segment of your life. 
And that's going to be able to get you that breakthrough that you're looking for. Breakthrough. That's what we need. Preach it. Preach it. Debbie says, amen, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Mark you, says, you did this to me, Mark. You just know that. You did this to me, right? This is great. Having me on. <laughs> this is great. No, this is great. Yeah, there, there's definitely, there's definitely, you know, I believe in this thing called win the day. And it every day we wake up and every day we, everybody has their things that they're dealing with. And at that moment, you can wake up and choose to be grateful, start the day grateful that for anything, anything little, you know, and then you're just, you're winning that part of the morning and you're getting up and you're winning the next step. What's the next step? Okay. I should, I should really exercise. I should really decide I'm going to eat better today. I should, you know, there's a lot of things that we can take on. And like you said, you're just drawing that line and drawing that line and building momentum. As you build more momentum, it becomes more contagious you see the results over time and you keep going with it and uh, you can get some transformation. MTV Raging says, good word, Jeff. Good word. You know, I, th I think for me too, Mark, it was we live in a world that is about doing. And that's where programs come from. And that's, I'm all for programs and I'm all for the regiment doing. But we're not human doings. We're human beings. And maybe this will help somebody. My greatest transformation was never external. It started internal. Mm. And when I, I'll tell you what, this is the honest to God's truth. Before I ever saw a step to foot on the pavement road a mile in the bike, I used to sit at that same Starbucks. And a part of my day was spent seeing myself riding the bike. I saw myself running the hill. And you know what I would do? I would still eat the stinking Danish, drink the stinking coffee, and I would go home. And then the other side of me would beat myself up. Hmm. And at first, the side of me that beat me up was so much of a bully, he outweighed the guy that says, no, you can do it. So I got this war going on. But the more I enhanced myself of seeing myself in that gym, and you know what? We are remarkable creatures. We can close our eyes and see ourselves anywhere, doing anything, being anybody. And there's this energy, this emotion that gets released. And you know what that does? That became my motivation to get up in the morning. And before I talked myself out of it, 4.40 in the morning, the eyes came open, the shoes went on, and I'm out the door before I changed my mind, right? <laughs> nice. Yep. You got feel the urge, do it. <laughs> you got to trick that bully. You got to trick that bully and say, I'm just going to go for a quick little ride here. Yeah. <laughs> and then once yeah. you get him out the door, you, you put on. Adam Mox says, riding with Jeff, you know he's going to try something he's never done. Great spirit. Thank uh, you, brother. I appreciate that comment. MTV Octodad says, how can I inspire other dads to get off the couch? Ooh, good question. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I, can, I, can I address that? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I, I think one of the things for me is I had to learn that sometimes in our zealousness to inspire others, we can almost um, offend. Mm. We can off because you really didn't need to tell me that I needed to get off the couch. You just needed to let me Figure it out for myself. But here's what we can do because I love the mountain bike community. Because we're a community, we, we be the example for others and we keep inviting them. But don't make them feel bad for not going. Because hmm. what we have to do is we have to, we, have to, we have to encourage. We have to woo them. 
And you know why I ride the way I do? Mark is because I've watched you. Hmm. I'm telling you, I watch Adam Mock ride. I watch Debbie ride. And I'm now just hooking up since we since we rode together um, at the trails last week. I've got six, seven, eight guys in my community that I didn't even know. And I'm watching their stuff on Instagram and I'm going, damn, I've got so much to learn. I got to grow. But so so we can we can actually, brother, get them off the couch by continuing to show them what we're doing, not in a matter that offends them. Not in a matter of like, it's almost like this self-righteous stuff. No, 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 none of it. Because what we also have to understand is there, let me show you this, there, except for I, goes me. Hmm. There, except for I, goes me. We were all laying on the couch. Right. I was 27 years old, broke, busted, and disgusted. A bag of potato chips in one hand, a remote control in the other, weighing 240 pounds. I lived in Redondo Beach, California, one block off the ocean, Mm. and my rear was glued to that couch. If I did drag myself out of the house, it was to the Blues Club because the bar was right at the end of Redondo Beach Pier. And I would turn myself in a bottle, dude, in a bottle because I couldn't see anything else but this misery that I was in. So, so gosh, we got a Instagram, social media. I don't care if you don't jump, show me what you can do and be an inspiration by what you do, not necessarily what you say. And I think we can impact a lot more people. Mm, I love that. Impact a lot more people. I love that, Jeff. I love that. And you're right. You know, a lot of times if we make somebody feel bad about not going on a ride or that they're on the couch, it, what seems to be motivation maybe on on one end is uh, they, they can kind of dig their heels in the ground on their end and maybe they're feeling hurt about it or they know that and they're ashamed of it. So now they're definitely not going to come riding, at least with that person. True. <laughs> so, so great, True. great points on that. True. Um, Kathleen K said, I love all this. Great points and perspective. Uh, what's up, my man? Air Blair, who was out on the Aliso ride. By the way, I got to say, the Elisa ride was really magical this last weekend. Um, was lucky enough. I got to ride with Jeff, who's here on the podcast tonight. Joey Yates on KGMTV, who's backstage. Adam Mock was an awesome host. Kelly and John Milligan. We got Electric Nick out there. There's so many folks out there. Air Blair was out there. We had such a fun time riding. Um, but I see a lot, a lot of you guys on here. I just want to say thank you all so much for that fun ride. Um, and uh, for all the people that were also around that said, what's up, as we were passing by, it was great to see everybody. Um, Air Blair says, powerful hits home. True words from the heart, Jeff. You are fueling our inner fire. Yes. <laughs> that, that is awesome. Speaking of inner fire, um, Jeff, I was talking with you earlier, and you had mentioned that there is that, that warrior within, that elite athlete that each one of us has. And a lot of times we look outside of ourselves and we're, we're just constantly seeking and seeking and like, maybe these next shoes will help me do it. Maybe these tires will help me get there. Maybe it's that bike that'll help me get there. But tell the folks a little bit about that, that inner Aaron Gwynn, so to speak, and how to pull that one out. Yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent question. I, I've, it's taken me a while to learn, Mark, that all success, all achievement, anything we'll ever accomplish in our entire life is an inside out job. It's not an outside-in job. It's an inside-out job. And I think what happens is we start to explore. We start to experiment. We start to reach out. 
And we begin to, to get a little bit of self-confidence built up in us. And then we start taking on more and we start taking on more. When, it, when I went through the physical transformation, um, I, I, I had this saying, where, where is the skinny person? Now, anybody who's working in your weight, don't get offended at this. It's not meant to offend. But where is the skinny person? The skinny person is not at the gym. Because if the skinny person was at the gym, you could just take your body down to the gym and exchange it and you'd be okay. <laughs> right. The skinny person isn't in the gym. The skinny person is in, is in the inside of the heavy person. Who you want to be is inside who you don't want to be. Love it. Who you want to be is inside who you don't want to be. So we don't have to go out there to find them. We need to get in here to find them. Because... Yeah. So, so look at me. I mean, I started riding a hardtail giant. Nothing against hardtail. I love it. And I still have the bike in the garage. Now, I don't think I would take it on some of the trails that I ride now. But I didn't. I, I started on what I could start on. But inside of the hardtail giant was the Santa Cruz Hightower. Mm. I, I didn't have to go out there to become anybody. I just had to do more inside work, develop the inside, and then the outside catches up with itself. Does it make sense? So makes sense. anybody who's so, – so let's let's take it a step further. The happy person – where is the happy person, audience? Where are they? They're inside of the unhappy. Now, here's what I used to do. I'm not unhappy anymore. I'm not unhappy anymore. I'm not unhappy anymore. I'm not unhappy anymore. Whichever one we feed is the one that grows. Mm -hmm. So there's this concept of trying to die daily to the one that I no longer want to be by reminding myself and allowing my other self to remind me, Jeff, you're more than this. Every day. Somebody in the audience, you need to take a marker, dry eraser marker on your mirror and remind yourself you are more than this. That's right. Use your own message to yourself and who you're speaking to is that inner one that you want to be. And you watch the motivation hit you. You watch it start to take on form. So inside of me right now is the guy who sends the jump. I got this whip going out like this. I'm eight feet in the air and I land the other side, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, but I'm growing into him. That's right. Are That's you following right. me? I'm growing into him, right? That's right. I watch you guys whip it. I watch all these people whip it. I'm thinking, how in the world do they do that? I go down blue steel, I'm flying, and I and I, I'm going, I'm I'm gonna pull up on the lip this time. I'm gonna pull up on the lip this time. I get to the lip and I tap the brakes just before I get there every time. So I just do this little dead dead sailor thing, bloop, like that. <laughs> But in my mind, I'm going, I'm jamming down this thing. <laughs> and then I watch the video again. I'm going, dude, you didn't jam nothing, man. So let's go back out and try it again. Yeah. Well, the mind is a such a powerful thing. I, I mean, I have a friend who he says, stop the stinking thinking. Yeah. And, and the whole thing behind that is your thoughts, your thoughts, change your thoughts. That's something you, you have majority have control over. And your thoughts become your words, right? 
And yeah. what you say becomes your actions, becomes who you become. So your, your thoughts become your words, your, your words become your actions, and your actions become who you are. Yeah. So like, like you were saying, that inner person that you're searching for, I mean, it's he, he and she is there. That, that person who's whipping, doing the eight-foot jumps is there. And I think what's cool about the, men, the mental aspect of, of all of this motivation and, and self-help is when you're thinking positively about something like a whip, there's no consequences in thinking positive. You're not going to crash in your mind and have a broken ankle, yeah, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> but the great thing is, is you could think about it a lot of different ways. Like when we do run-ups, you run up to something, you, you, you're thinking about it, you're feeling it, you're working on it. And, and man, there have been so many, so many examples of athletes that use that mental strength to think of something that they're going to do and they're able to do it as if they practice it way more times than they actually have. Yeah. So it, it's incredible. Um, MTB raging here on the subject says, uh, Craig says, truth be told, I started my whole MTB channel to try and motivate old cats like myself, tell themselves if he can do it, I can do it. Enjoy the journey. Right Very on well Craig. Very well said. Super cool. Yeah. Jeff, we, we had some questions that came in from the audience and uh, I wanted to see if this was an okay time to go ahead and hit you with some of these. Um, yeah. One of them was a, was a, the teaser that uh, Jeff, if you guys had a chance to look on Instagram, Jeff put out a great teaser that came from a question from Solomon Dad. Solomon Dad, if you're on the line, um, we're going to go ahead and we'll just kick it off with this one because I think this one's really powerful. Solomon Dad asks, what are things you could do to overcome self-doubt? Yeah. You know, and um, I really wish, uh, Mark, that all of our audience had a microphone because it would be superb to hear all of their feedback as well. Um, self-doubt is the number one thing that we deal with, we, humanity, we deal with. And I used, I used to think that I had to get the doubt out. And if I just got the doubt out, then the positivity would rule. Mm. And I learned the hard way that what I fight, what I resist persists. It keeps coming at me. Mm. So I kept thinking, that that guy who doubts, now watch me, listen to me, that guy who doubts is not really me. This guy who's full of confidence, he's really me. But that's not true. The doubter and the believer are you. They're one and the same. They're bipolar opposites. I call doubt the bipolar cousin of self-confidence. Hmm. And here's, I think, a misnomer. And I think, Mark, this is so important. If we didn't get anything out of the whole night, the more life we waste on trying to fight something that exists in our nature, instead of learning how to shift away from it, hmm. we will exhaust ourselves. We hmm. will exhaust ourselves. I wrote a note. Self-doubt is an expression at that moment of an incorrect perspective that something is broken or missing 
or wrong. Hmm. I'll say it again. So doubt is a or misconception of a perspective that's based on something is wrong, missing, or broken in hmm. me. That's why I doubt. Something's wrong with you. That's why you doubt. Something's missing. That's why you doubt. You're broken. That's why you doubt. Mm -hmm. Fearful, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, you're fearful. But but I, I just saw Tim Haley, MTB, just do it and prove yourself wrong. Great, great addition. I totally agree with it. So that's what I begin to do with doubt is, is instead of fighting it, I put my hand up to it. Tell it, speak to the hand. I am not listening to you anymore. And then what, what our friend was just saying, I would get on my bike and I would climb. Because when I first got on my bike, that doubt is saying, you're never going to make that hill. I'm thinking, you tell me I'm never going to make the hill. Like Adam Mock was saying, guess what? I'm going to get on my bike and I'm going to take my ass up that hill. And right. I'm going to keep pushing and I'm going to keep pushing. Yeah. Now, Mark, I remember when I first started riding mountain bike, my heart rate was 190s. I was in the high 190s when I pushed the bike. And I would push the bike 190s at the um, Santa Rosa Plateau to try wow. that one side. Right? So, so, and here's what happens I'm riding the bike. Riding the bike is helping me get physically fit and working my heart in a good way. And the doubt was saying, Jeff, you're going to die of a heart attack on the hill. You're going to die of a heart attack before you even get there. And you know what I finally decided to do? I said, you know what? If I die, here we go. Right. Yeah. Go. I'm pushing through this. And I didn't die. And I kept pushing and I didn't die. Just like our brother said, you know what I'm going to do? Okay, now I've developed this mentality instead of a suffering mentality. Instead of, oh, God, my head's wrong. I got to get, no, no. That's the bipolar opposite of who I really am. And I can't get rid of him. You, you could spend thousands and thousands of dollars trying to get rid of him. But you know what you do? You just let it pass. That's not, that, that's one side of me. But let me show you the other side of me. Nice. And when he comes out, when she comes out, did you ever notice, Mark, that when your self-confidence is at its peak, doubt is nowhere to be found? Right. Yeah, so yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Just back to our earlier conversation. Where is self-confidence? Self-confidence is right behind doubt. Yeah. Where is doubt? Doubt's in front of self-confidence. When are you self-confident? When self-confidence comes to the forefront. Right. How do you become self-confident? I don't think I can ride today. I think I'm sick. Get your rear on the bike, put it out on the trail. Here's my suggestion. Don't try to compete with anybody else to prove yourself is right. Just take yourself to the gym. Just yeah. take yourself to the trails. Prove it to you. You don't have to anything else to prove. Just you. Start to fight against that, which tells you you're not, by doing exactly the opposite of what it tells you you can't. And I'm telling you what, when you conquer that, I'm sorry, but you'll be flipping that person off. You right. That interview. You, talk, <laughs> you, 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 you don't. Here's what I used to say. You. Hey, let me. And I'll pull myself close to the mirror. You don't own me anymore. Nice. Yeah, that's powerful and strong. I feel like self-doubt is the bully inside in, inside of you talks a big game makes you feel a certain way but when confidence comes out self-doubt just runs so good self-doubt is a shadow mm -hmm. and a shadow cannot hurt you the last time i checked that's right, right? that's right that's right <laughs> it's just it's just one of those things that feels so real 
But then when self-confidence comes through, self-doubt just goes away, goes away. So our, our Solomon dad that was talking about how, and I alluded to in my little teaser video that I would share with you how, it is a step-by-step, day-by-day, moment-by-moment, minute-by-minute process. You got to love yourself. I know there's a lot of talk about self-love, but you have to love yourself. These are deep conversations, Mark. I've lived most of my life in the field. My day started at 4 a.m. every stinking day for seven, eight years. And my rear was on a rock in the middle of a field with a Chevron cup of coffee and a Danish, thinking to myself, I'm either going to find my way through this picture called life. I'm either going to find my way through this depression. I'm going to find my way. I'm going to die. And when you want something that bad, you go to work on yourself. And day by day, moment by moment, month by month, year by year, I just started to talk to myself and get to know. I got to know the other me, Mm -hmm. the real me. Not the shadow me that's influenced by society and my upbringing and all the chaotic stuff that I've been through in my life. That guy doesn't rule me anymore. He used to. Mm -hmm. But when I became aware of him and pushed him into the shadows and not listened to him anymore and was not driven by him anymore, I started to get to know my other self and I let him have the wheel. You know, the song is Jesus take the wheel. Right. I appreciate you, Jesus, but if you don't show up, I better have another plan of my other plan. (laughs) You created a me inside of me that if I just let her have the wheel, my life is going to be okay. You got to trust you. Somebody's listening. You got to trust you. You work. You're not broken. Jesus, you're telling yourself that every day. That's right. That's good stuff. And no one cares more than you. You know, no one cares more than about you than, than you and, and your self-doubt may say, no, 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 I need this other person or I need this and that, but that's not true. It's, that is nice to have, but you are enough and you are the one that can really move yourself and uh, you can do it. You, you definitely can. Um, Timothy Haley says, just do it, prove yourself wrong. Octo dad, Marty says, proved out wrong. I love that. Um, so Solomon dad, I hope that helps you. It's definitely one of those step-by-step incremental things that you have to practice, like uh, Jeff was just saying right there, but it is something that can be done, and it's something that, that you can do, which is uh, proof right here by my guest here tonight, Mr. Jeff. You know, one um, of the practical, I'm sorry, Mark, just to jump in real yes. quick. One of the practical things for our, our Solomon dad as well as the audience and, and is I, I started to keep a journal. I, I kept a thought journal. And I kept it with me at all times. So whatever the thought pattern was in my mind, I wrote it down. And when the thought changed from doubt to confidence, I wrote it down. And then what I started to do is I want to elaborate just a moment because I think it'll help. We'll usually find that there are triggers. Something happens. We listen to the lyric of a song. Somebody says hello to us in a nice way and it gives us a warm fuzzy. Mm -hmm. Our spouse or our partner responds. Something happens that just changes our state. And what that trigger is, the doubt starts to fade. And here comes that welling up of tear, welling up of emotion, welling up of, yeah, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be okay. I remember I had a a scare um, several years ago. I I had some heart palpitations and... um, I, instead of listening to my true self, I just, my head got crazy with me, Mark. And I started to get, when fear sets in, you do the most stupidest things. 
And so I was convinced I needed to go to um, get my heart checked. So I went to the urgent care and I'm, I'm putting my life and my, what I should do in the hands, no disrespect to an urgent care clerk, but in the hands of a $14 an hour urgent care clerk that doesn't know how to read the stats any better to go. If it blips here instead of here, you better send them to the ER. Mm-hmm. That was my experience. I went in heart palpitations. They did the EKG and they said, if I was you, I'd go to the ER. And Mark, I went to the ER and before I could think straight, I was checked in on a gurney, IV, upper room, and Jeez. I had doctors flying around me. Now, I don't know how I got on the story. Am I okay to share? Yeah, please do. I'm, I'm, I'm upstairs in the room. My wife is with me. My kids don't know what's going on. And I've got all these doctors spinning around and I've got all these nurses and everything's hooked up. And I'm laying there and in the back of my mind while all this is going on, I'm dealing with whether I'm going to die or not of a heart attack, whether my heart is actually physically going to stop beating. And I knew something was going on. They had taken my blood and the blood work showed them something that I was not a privy to. So all of this stuff came right. And so mm. here comes the doctor and they're going to do a stress test on my heart. So they hooked me up to the machines, but before the stress test, Mark, they wanted to take a scope and put it up my leg into my heart to check my heart if it was okay. Hmm. I got a war going on in my mind. I hope I'm going to help somebody. I've got a war going on in my mind. And one of the warriors, one of the guys over here, the enemy is saying, you're going to die tonight. The other warrior is going, you're not going to die. You're going to live. You're going to conquer this. The other, the other guy is going, you're going to die tonight. This is going on in my head. So the doctor came in and he said he wanted to cut me open and put a scope up and look at my heart to tell me if I'm okay or not. I said, you're not cutting me open. I will go ahead and submit to the stress test, but that's it. So, Mark, they gave me a stress test. They put this stuff in my veins and it caused my heart to race. And, and I believe God sent an angel. It was the tech that was doing my, my ultrasound that needed to be done while the stress test was going on. I remember laying in that bed and she put the monitor on my heart and she whispered to me. She said, Jeff, look at the monitor. And she put her thumb between the picture and my heart was grabbing her thumb. And she said, Jeff, your heart is strong. <laughs> your heart is strong. And I'm telling you what, brother, when I just when I talked about shit happens, there's got to have a shift that happens. Mm-hmm. Your words to me was a shift. And there was a there was a overwhelming confidence. It was tangible that flooded through me. And the, the, the heart doctor was standing beside me. They hooked me up. They got my heart racing about 178 to 180 beats a minute. And as soon as it went there, the doctor stopped everything, pulled the plug and everything, and gave his card to my wife. He says, have him check with me tomorrow. And he walked out of the room. Huh. I'm sharing this to say this. I found out that when they did my blood test, when they wanted to admit me to the hospital or admitted me, when they did the blood test, they found a slightly elevated a troponin level in my blood and troponin with a guy my age was an indication the number one indicator of a heart attack mm. so how did humanity how did the professionals handle my dilemma they did it based upon their knowledge oh well mm. if this is then he's got to have this if this is then we better do this they didn't ask me right that's why you got to know yourself so well and if you really trust yourself and know yourself you'll know this ain't a heart attack you know this is too is going to pass, like my mom used to tell me all the time, right? Right. So instead of trusting them, I allowed them to do what they could do to a certain extent. And then I decided trip canceled. And here comes an angel that says, Jeff, your heart is good. Your heart is strong. Look at so you know what I do now when I ride? I was riding Lisa with you guys. 
And Adam was beating my rear end up those hills. Kelly, oh my God, Kelly was passing me up those hills. Yeah. And it, and I still deal with it, friends. Those of you that are still here, thank you for staying. But if you're still listening to me, I still deal with it. The voice comes up. Your heart's ticking a little bit fast, Jeff. And you know whose voice I hear? I hear that technician going, Jeff, your heart's strong. Your nice. Heart's strong. Yeah. So I'm asking you, friend, what do you have in you that is battling what's coming against you? Hmm. You've got to have that stuff in you. And if you can't get it from the outside, make it up yourself. Take a tape of you. Take all of your encouraging words and put them on a tape. I used to take a tape and stick it to my earbuds when I was running down the road. Jeff, you're more than a conqueror. You're an overcomer. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You can do this. You can achieve. I'm telling you, it's like a, it's like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a great story, Jeff. That's a great, great story. I, I love the technician. And the technicians are the ones that are they, they do the, those machines so often and they know what a good heartbeat looks like. You know what I mean? They can tell right off the bat, like, Hey, this, this, your heart is strong. And the fact that you can actually take that sound clip and take it with you for the rest of your life. And anytime self doubts, like Jeff, I don't know. We're going upstairs steps here. This is a long one. I don't know about your heart. You know, you hear that technician going, Hey man, your heart's strong. I, I love that. I love that. So many, so many great things. That's a great example. That was a great example. Solomon dad, Jeff is spitting out some, some gold here, some fire. I, I love it. Um, we'll go to the next one. The Debbie, Debbie co says, um, actually I have to go to it here because it, it cut off her question, but she's asking, what do you do for motivation if you are constantly being barraged by negativity, whether it be on the bike or at work? Yeah, it, it's an excellent question, Debbie. Um, and my greatest advice is, is we often can't because of necessity, a work, a job, a relationship at the moment, whatever it may be, just simply remove ourselves. We have two options. We remove ourselves is the one option. And if, if it were me, and if I knew my life depended on it, baby, God love you, but I don't give a rip about you and you can get out of my way. That's a little harsh for some people. So if you can't do that, you got to develop some thick skin, Debbie. And you cannot take what they say about you as personal. You have to have your own mantra. You have to fill yourself up, shoot yourself up before you get into that place. And what we here's what I've learned about negativity. Negativity is a phishing scam. P-H-I-S-H-I-N-G. They're phishing. Negativity yeah. drops on you. And you know what negativity is trying to do, Debbie? It's trying to push your hot buttons. I used to tell the people all the time, I'm not an angry person. Just don't piss me off. <laughs> Just don't make me mad. Well, that doesn't mean I'm not an angry person. That just means I have my anger under control. And as long as I don't get around these elements that push my buttons, I'm okay. But then I'm lying to myself because I'm truly not okay. So the test of whether I'm okay is to be smack dab in the middle of it. And it just falls off of me like water off a duck's back. Mm. How do you get there? You keep putting yourself in the midst of that negativity until two things happen. You grow thick skin and deaf ears to it, and it does not bother you. 
Mm. It's looking for your reaction, Debbie. It's trying to prove to you somewhere down deep inside you still don't believe in you. That's why you believe what they say about you. But I'm telling you what, darling, if you start believing in you enough, you won't care what they think. And you know what will happen? This miracle will happen. You will become a bright light into that place of negativity. And you're going to find some of those critics of yours. You know what they'll do? They'll pull you aside the cooler and go, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something light about you. Can you share your secret with me? And you will start impacting them. They'll stop infecting you and you'll bring about a change. Mm. Now, if you don't think that's possible, run pack your bags and leave or another practical, tangible way, Debbie, is to spend time with yourself. Every morning I'm up before the crack of dawn and my rear is in the hills where I ride my trails. I got a wall that I sit on. I've got a small cup of coffee and a bottle of water. And I sit there with that cup of coffee and the universe and watch it light up. And as it lights up, I light up. And I'm thankful. You said it, Mark. I'm thankful. Thank you for the breath that I breathe. Thank you. I focus on the positive things that are happening to me in my life. And it fills my love tank. It fills, mm -hmm. it fills my love tank. It fills my gratitude tank. And then I, I go run the trails. And then I come back and I come down and I start my day. So when my day is full of the negativity right off the bat, guess what? I'm already prepared positivity. And it's like, yeah, next. Yeah, mm -hmm. next. And here's the last secret. When, yeah, next, that will wear off throughout your day because you're human. And when you sense your tank getting empty, shut it down. Don't send the email when you're faking the email. Don't, don't jump on the live going, hey, everything's great in my life when you know it sucks. Don't do that. It'll drain you more. You know what you do? Go right back to that quiet <laughs> and fill yourself full of love again and then take upon the negativity. It'll help you. That's great advice. That's great advice. I, what do you think about compartmentalizing some, some of these things? You know, for example, sometimes if I'm around negativity, I'll try to compartmentalize that person in that compartment. Like, okay, this is not a reflection on me. This is just how this person is. And it allows me to continue on my journey, my path without getting knocked off of it too much. And the other thing I'll do is if it's, if it's, pervasive, if it keeps continuing, I'll just try to create a boundary for myself and say, Hey man, don't want to talk about any of that stuff. That's, uh, that's just, I'm not into it. And so I just try to assert myself in a sense that I just drew a boundary and hopefully you don't cross that, that boundary. I don't know. Is that something that could be helpful as well? Do you think, uh, or is that just a one-off on? My no, 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 Mark, I appreciate you sharing. I think is again, I, I love a forum. I, I know all of our audience has so many suggestions. You've been through it. I, that's perfect advice. When she was, Debbie was talking about even people we ride with. Um, now, I, I have to say, I'm, I think it's really cool because I think, I think maturity plays a lot in it, Mark. You know, maturity plays a lot in it. We get around people and not everybody is like us, thank God. And when we can get along or we can disagree to agree to disagree or we can have our differences or, you know, and, and we're, we still stay together. We still ride together. If we can get enjoyment out of that, I totally agree. With it. If it brings up a hot button and a negativity, don't, don't talk about it. And if they keep egging you on, draw the, draw the boundaries. Boundaries mm -hmm. are hard to do for insecure people though, mm -hmm. right? Because we like to like, we like to be liked. Mm 
Mm -hmm. And so if I put a boundary up against you, I'm all automatically trying to be, con I, I'm concerned about what you think of me for putting up a boundary. Hmm. And that's just another issue. We got to work on you getting rid of all of that stuff and just being, it's not arrogant. It's just super confidence and self-love to the point hmm. where you, what you say doesn't bother me. And I'd love to ride with you, but we ain't going to talk about that anymore when we ride. We right. still want to go up the hill or do you want to go to the car? Right. But that's good advice, Mark. I, I absolutely compartmentalize a good word. Yeah, that's so Debbie, hope this, hope this helps, but man, Jeff, that was, that's, that's great. Great advice. Um, have a few more we wanted to go through. Um, Haley Bernstein, if she's on the line, she says, what is the best way to combat? Oh, it's going back to self-doubt again. What is the best way to combat self-doubt? Yeah. Well, when you think of the word combat, you think immediately of fighting. And combat pits one enemy against another. There's a war. Hmm. I've learned that the war is a facade. The war is an illusion. And when you expose doubt for what it is, an incorrect perspective of yourself, when you expose doubt, because doubt wouldn't have a hold on us if we didn't think a part of what we doubt was true. Mm -hmm. See, because when you say something about me, oh, you, and if I think a portion of that is true, guess what? I react. So doubt also is a phishing scam, trying mm. to see whether you believe what it says about you. So the, the remedy is, is you've got to think differently about you. You say, but Jeff, there's no proof. Oh, this is so good. Oh, gosh. There's no proof in my life right now that I am anything other than what doubt tells me I am. Hmm. I can't reach to the pocketbook and show doubt. See, I am rich. I can't look at my car and go, see, I am wealthy. Mm -hmm. I can't look at my business because I hate going to the job that I am in. And so there's nothing in my life right now that I can use to prove doubt wrong. So why are you fighting? Hmm. You know what you do? You yield. And you surrender. And what you'll find is doubt's voice will get quieter and quieter. Why? Because you can't argue with someone who won't argue back. Oh, right, right. You can't argue with your spouse. And you right. say, oh, uh huh? Uh huh? Uh they'll, huh? They'll get so madder than a wet hen, they'll run out the front door, they'll call you all these. And when they just get done with their tizzy, you're going to still be sitting there. Uh huh? <laughs> who, who's our who's our friend that asked the question mark what what's her name that that was haley haley bernstein so 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 haley he, here's the here here's the clue you need to fall in love with you again you need to look yourself in the mirror until the one looking back loves the one that they're looking at hmm. how you do that i don't know that's going to be a personal journey for you but I guarantee you that you could go back in your memory book and find times that you believed in yourself and that you accomplished greatness. If you don't have anything right now tangible to show doubt or show yourself that you are and you don't, you're not doing anything right now, maybe you're in a slump. Maybe life sucks right now. It's okay. Go back and draw from previous memories. Do you remember that time in Cancun? 
You remember that time I was so freaking scared to go scuba diving and I put the gear back on? Replay those things in your mind. You said it, Mark. Our mind is this wonderful instrument we can use. And guess what? You'll start bringing up warm fuzzies and warm remembrances of who you are. And when you get that feeling in you, you expose doubt for what it is. You are an incorrect. Doubt is an incorrect perspective of me. And doubt, I do not believe you any longer. Yeah. I don't believe you any longer. Now, you got to be cautious, Mark, because I talk like this all the time, and I talk like this to myself all the time, but I talk like this out loud to myself all the time. So you got to be careful where you do it, right? <laughs> walking down the mall going, get out. I don't believe you anymore. Get out. You're not a part of me anymore. And they're going to probably hold you. That's why I mountain bike by myself a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's, I love this, uh, the combat with self-doubt, you know, and, and a lot of times on mountain bikes, we all have that inner combat with ourselves with self-doubt, whether it's a trail or a squad that you're going to go with, you know, like, oh, those, everyone there is very talented. I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep up or whatever it is. I don't know if I could do that trail. I think I might crash and you're not even out of the car yet. You're already thinking you're going to crash. How is that even possible? So self-doubt has a way to combat you you and allow you to miss out on opportunities in life. And one of the things that I like to do is something you touched on earlier is draw from an experience where you are able to, you know, beat self-doubt or, or overcome that doubt. Uh, for example, TMB DH here at Greer, I always self-doubted myself. Like, I'm not going to go down that trail. I'm going to do other trails. But when I finally did it, now I could take that confidence, that rider who went down TMB DH Greer, and I can take that rider with me. I could time travel that person, so to speak, in my mind and say, hey, I need that guy here right now because I'm going to try this trail that I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm doubting myself a little bit, but I think I can do this. You know, that, that almost, but I don't want to miss out <laughs> type of thing. So I'll time travel that guy back to me and go, hey, that TMB DH version of you, Mark, the segment you got this trail right here. And, uh, and that helps, that helps me. But I know we've all in mountain biking have come across that. And sometimes it's just a climb. Sometimes it's, it's a mean, nasty climb and you're, you're already burning out and you look and you can't see the top. And then the doubt, the bully comes in and says, Oh man, you're going to have to stop. Oh man, your heart's acting a little weird. Oh man, your legs are burning, you know? And, uh, and then we all have little triggers for that to get over that. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll look down. If there's somebody in front of me, I'll look down at their back tire and I'll just stare at that back tire and just start meditating on that back tire before I know it, we're at the top. Yeah. And then, yeah. then you can stack those up and stack those experiences up and, and draw from them. Like you were saying. So, you know, I wrote, um, when you were talking, I wrote a word on my paper and circled it. And I don't know if we can see it or not, but the, the, the word is comparison. It's comparison. And, and I think this is, this is, oops, I'm sorry. I'll put it up there again. It's comparison. Mm. So that's the word when you were talking about riding, you know, the riding the trails, I'm telling you what all mountain bikers, I, I, I used to think it was just me, but here, here's the deal. Here's the kind of scenario we get out of the car. And we're, we haven't even mounted up yet, right? We're just getting gear out of the car. Here's the language. Gosh, the day today, not sure. Been a little heavy for me today. Um, I rode yesterday, so I'm not sure. I, we all come, we lead with that. And here's what it is. I don't know if I can measure up to you or not. Mm. I immediately when I, okay, all of you mountain bikers, stop. 
I'm not your enemy. I'm not judging you. And you shouldn't judge yourself either, brother. You know what I'm talking about, okay. right, Mark? We get right. in there and we're we're immediately comparing myself. Well, look at his bike going down. Damn, he's gonna he's gonna clean that mountain, and I'm never gonna be able to do it. Yep. I can't do it. And the only reason I can't do it is because I'm comparing myself already to what I think you can do. God, so then, true. When I compare myself to what I think you can do, you might outdo me, which always, always, always points right back to the way I feel about myself. Mm. You know what, Mark? If I'm enough, do you know what I do? I pull off the side of the trail and let you all climb the frippin' hill. Yeah. Or I grab the back of the seat of an e-bike person and say, drag me to the <laughs> top right along with you, would you please? <laughs> but, but, but we all do it. So I, I, I'm with you. I, I, can't, I stop trying to do that. I ride with some guys that are extremely aggressive climbers. This one guy, we did um, we did Palm Springs Epic. I don't know mm. if anybody's ever done Palm Springs Epic. It's the most stupidest thing I've ever done in my life, right? Blind. <laughs> it's crazy. But Mark, this guy was 61 years old on a hardtail single speed with a belt. Ooh. That guy was 45 minutes ahead of the rest of the pack all the time. 40. I'm talking 3,600 feet oh. of elevation up and down, uh, three miles of hell. Uh, that segment of sand through the middle. It was yep. a 27 mile ride, right? It took us all day. I couldn't believe it. Um, and you know what I, I did? I want to tell everybody, I came in dead freaking last. <laughs> you know what? Not only last, but Mark, they kept sending the sweep guy. They kept changing, taking turns to be sweep so they could come back and haul my ass here. <laughs> I was far behind. Um, and it bothered me for a while, but I thought, I'm out here. I'm doing it. I came down um, Art Smith Trail. Dang, that's a brutal trail. But I made it all the way in. They had been there eating pizza, drinking beer for, you know, an hour and a half. And here I come floating in. The last the last uh, trail guy, the last sweep guy came and picked me up. So humorous story. But, yeah, we compare way too much. Yeah. I love you. If you can do it better than me, I love you. I'm going to learn from you. Exactly. We are where we are, you know, and, and to be happy about it and to be grateful for it and to know that there's way more to learn about it. And when we can get comfortable knowing like, hey, I am where I am. I'm not going to be the same writer today as I will be tomorrow, the next day, a month, a year from now, 10 years from now. But I'm going to enjoy right now because who knows how many more times you have available. Nobody knows how much time you have. So be present. Enjoy what you have. Be in the moment with your crew and your squad and have a good time yeah. and just be you. Wouldn't it be sad? Wouldn't it be really sad if that was the last ride you had and you spent all of it worrying about how you measured up to somebody else? So true. That would be awful. That'd Instead be awful. of enjoying every single pedal. I did that one. Yep. I did that one. Yep. And you kept going and I stopped and sippied. I, yep. I sucked on my sippy cup while you kept going. But then I got back on and I kept going. Yeah. So good. (laughs) So good. That's where we, that's where we need to be. And that's what I love about mountain bikes is that it, it, it allows you to be present with yourself when you're pedaling and you're in motion and you've got rocks and, and, and ruts and drops and potential jumps and things like that. And you're in your hauling, but it's really hard to start thinking about self doubt and all these other things because you're so in the moment. It's something primal that comes out of you that's just like I'm I'm chasing I'm chasing the prey. 
I'm, I'm, I'm hunting right now. This is something that I've been missing. It's just, you're just part of the moment. It, and, and it's beautiful. And I've, I've kind of learned, Mark, that when I'm on, I'm on. And when I'm off, I give myself permission to be off. Mm. I go out and I try to clean the hill. And I can tell you the first you know, 20 feet of it, I'm not going to clean it this time. And I used to get mad at myself going, come on, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. What's wrong with you? You can do it. And now I don't anymore. I just, I've been able to identify, and I know I'm preaching to the choir here to everybody. You've been able to identify those days you go out and you got it. Those are the days you get it and you enjoy it and you celebrate it. But the other days when you go out and you don't have it, don't beat yourself up for it. Revel yeah. just in much of the fact that you don't got it as when you do, you do got it. Yeah. Right? And that'll make the, it'll make the experience that much more enjoyable. Yeah, that's true. And, and find something in those moments where you feel like you don't have it. You know, there's plenty of times where I'll go to Greer and I'll, and I'll have in my head, I'm going to do a PR run here on overdrive. It's early in the morning. There's nobody here. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. I'm just going to go. And then halfway down, I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to just press on my brakes and <laughs> just enjoy it. Oh, look at that. The sky's really orange yeah. and just cruise and enjoy that. You know, when I, when I'm in that mode and just try to take that in whatever that experience is, you know, just try to try to take it in. Um, uncaged MTB, Mr. Joey Yates. He says better writers inspire me. That's, that is so true. We were, Joey and I were with a, a group and we were up at the top of Greer and all of a sudden, talk about the comparison levels. We had uh, merged with Transcend MTB mm. and really talented writers there. We felt the elevation of the squad just raise, the skill level just raise. And you know, we're going to be racing now down the mountain. So you got to plug in and flip that switch because we're getting ready to drop in. And then we look over and we see Arturo from MTB Flow. And if you guys haven't seen his stuff, he just, he's an extreme writer. He shreds. He's so good. And that mental aspect was starting to kick in and saying, oh man, Mark, you might be way above your skill and pay grade now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, you know, one of those things we had to come, we had to like, all right, all right, we're here. We're going to go, we're going to drop in. I'm, I'm going to drop in towards the back of the pack. I'm going to have fun with it. And then, you know, see if I can keep up. Ended up being smiles for miles. It was it was awesome. It was awesome. Adam Mock says Joey Yates inspires me. Real talk. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Jeff, I have a few more questions here. Um, actually, sure. one here from Adam Mock. Adam Mock says, "What's one shift someone can make today so they can have a new direction tomorrow?" Adam, 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 Adam. I love Adam Mock. I met Adam on Instagram and just kind of connected. I think we rode Sky Park together for the first time with his crew, Master Joseph and Brian. Um, I think the biggest shift, ask the question one more time, Mark. Adam, Adam's asking, what's one shift someone can make today so they have a new direction tomorrow? The, the, the immediate thing that jumps in my heart is I am enough just like I am. It is, it is, a, it is a, a mental shift. It's a, it's a perspective shift. It's, it's understanding that you're not broken. Hmm. You're not missing. Humanity, and I don't really want to touch on this, 
but the influence of some ideology has permeated the thought process of humanity, making us feel like we are separate. Mm-hmm. We are divisive. Lost. Yeah, we are over. We're over there, and you and 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 you should be here, but you're never going to be good enough to be there. So you got to work at being there, but you'll never make it there because the works can't get you there anyway. So you're never going to be good enough. I, I, I you talk about you talk about a. a a dark side of the human nature, Mark. Mm-hmm. I think the ideology that I'm not enough is woven in the fabric of us from all different angles, society, oh, religion, parental, just because your dad wasn't enough. He didn't know how to tell you to be enough. So you think you're not enough. Society mm-hmm. thinks you're not enough. You lose your job. You think you're not enough. You get divorced. You think you're not enough. Every single human being wants to know that they are enough. That's why we spend gazillion hours of our life trying to prove ourselves on Instagram, Facebook, social media. Look at me. I'm this. I'm that. All of that is trying to prove to somebody out there that I am somebody. Mm-hmm. And you can never do that. So, Adam, to answer your question, it, it's 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 we used to say it, it's come to Jesus meeting time. <laughs> come come to you time. And 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 whatever psychology that brought you to this understanding that you're not enough. You gotta battle that. That's your demon. When I say battle, what I mean is you gotta recognize it, and you gotta take that thought captive, and you gotta figure out where that thought came from, and then you gotta replace it, and you replace it by stating to yourself every day, "I am more than enough for this. I am more than enough to handle this." Even if you don't know how, even if you don't feel like you are, it is repetitive over and telling yourself and what you're doing is you're wooing that you in you that is more enough to come to the surface Hmm. one sentence every day for the rest of your life in the mirror i am more than enough Hmm. now let me tie this off by saying this mark when people look externally at motivation etc Oh, just do these steps. There are no steps, friend. I'm, I love books and I love and I want you to go out and spend lots of money on people's books and everything else. But I'm telling you, the step you're looking for is right in the inside of your soul. When is the last time you spent so much with you? You know what makes you tick. You know what makes you hurt. You know what you love. You know what you hate. You know evil. You know good. You you spend enough time with yourself to know yourself, and you can start pulling these layers apart and get to the root of that ideology, and you can pluck that piece of ideology out of you and look at it and go, you do not control me any longer. Hmm. People who have repetitive cycles of depression and fear and anxiety and worry, they haven't yet got to the root and able to pluck that out and look at it. So so the shift is I'm okay right here, right now. Hmm. But you're broke, busted, and disgusted. You're this and that. Doesn't matter. I'm okay. And what happens, you'll start to change your perspective of yourself. And when you change your inner perspective, you don't have to go get another job. You don't have to go get another marriage. You don't have to go get another. 
you got to find a different you. And when you find the you, you will attract, you will become a magnet to the wealth, to the happiness, to the feel good, to the, to the advanced rider. You will start to attract stuff rather than trying to grind for it and work for it. It'll come to you. That's the greatest shift, the shift of who we think we are and our value that we bring to this earth, into this world. You're valuable. I wish I had another couple of days, Mark. You're valuable. Yeah. You don't know your own worth. You're valuable. Way more valuable than we know sometimes, right? Yeah, that's a great one. Just look in the mirror, look inside. You are more than enough. Gosh, if we got, that's easy to do, everybody. We could do that. Wake up every day and just say it. Your, your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become who you are. Why not? What do you have to lose? Just wake up in the morning and say, I am enough. I am enough. I love it. And Jeff. when you believe it, when you end up believing it, you become it. That's right. When you say it enough, you begin to believe it enough. And when you believe it enough, you become it. And then when you become it, you realize you were it all along. Yeah. You just finally fell into yourself. You finally collided with, with you. But all of that, Mark, is hidden under ideology and society and bills and relationships and all the stuff. The true us is weighted down by all of the pressures. And we, we, we spend our existence trying to measure up and manage all of the stuff that we built up. Right. Right. That's what we we got to change. The other thing, this is the only moment I have. What am I going to do with it? Mm, that's powerful. I dig that. Say that again. This is the only moment I have. Hmm. What am I going to do with it? Love it. See, the, the misnomer, and you brought up our transcend family. The misnomer is we're going to be here tomorrow. You don't know that, friend. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not preaching gloom or doom. You just, but the reality is you just don't know. Yeah. So what am I going to do with this moment? How are you spending your moments? Well, if he would just get off the couch, well, she would just do that. Well, if the government would do this, if COVID would just, if I have to wear a mask, well, they just, you just wasted your moment and you can't get that back. No, not any amount of money can get those moments back. Once they're gone, they're gone. I just got a comical. And you know what we could do, Mark? If we could take all that, turn it into fuel, we wouldn't need a stinking e-bike. Right. So no no offense to my e-bike brothers right there, <laughs> sisters, but all that fuel, all that stuff that we're going, bottle that, put it back inside you. Put it in the exertion of the pedals. Yeah. Try something new with the same energy that you're using to blow off at others with. Right. Redirect it. Re start tomorrow redirect the anger every time you want to flip the guy off because he cut in front of you and you wanted to be in front of him and he didn't and he, you, know, you know what your heart rate is going right yeah use that for fuel in a healthy way yeah yeah gosh yeah i could talk to you for days brother this is great man this is great po powerful powerful words there jeff um chef john hubbard's on he says powerful words chef john hubbard i love it love thank it. you John, the bike guy, I could listen to Jeff talking all night. This stuff's good. Got a couple more here for you, everybody. Um, Jeff, if it's okay, I got I got two more for you that came in. Yeah, yeah. We have Sty, S-T-I underscore mountain biker asks, 
best thing to do or say when trying to rehab? Wow. You know, I saw this question um, and it made me think. Um, so those of you that might not know either, I, I've gone over the handlebars of my bike a gazillion times. Bruises, goose eggs, they were my battle scars and my wounds, my warrior wounds, right? I loved them. So if you've ever ridden Greer, you know the tower side and you bring Monkdog down, right? If you've ever ridden, ridden that trail, you'll know that about the first quarter of the way down, you're making that hard, sharp hairpin right. There's nothing much on the left side of you. There's a huge boulder on the right side of you. And there's mm -hmm. about a three foot drop right in front of you. And you got to send it. You can't get around it. Mm -hmm. I've been around that thing. I don't know how many times grabbed the brakes right before it and oh. went plummeting over the handlebars. Oh, geez. So I've been OTB a gazillion times, but the result was only, I mean, bruised up, banged up, never broke anything then. And so, um, okay. I'm sorry. It just came on me. Some, oh gosh. I have these inner conflicts sometimes when I'm talking, Mark, because there's a story that just lit up inside of me and yeah. I just didn't know how much of it to share. So anyway, I'm headed off to Greer and I'll share it. I'm mad at my wife. <laughs> I'm headed off to Greer to ride and I'm mad at my wife. Okay. We've been fighting and I can't stand it anymore and I'm out of here. And my, my healing is to go ride. The challenge with riding mad is you're not in control of your vehicle. You're not in control of your bike. Emotional so what I had done yeah. is I had plowed my way up to the top. I bombed down distortion. I took the fire road all the way back up to jumping mouse. I didn't even jump at the time, but I thought, you know what? I'm just sick, pissed off at the world and I'm going to take it out on the mountain bike. If I die, I die. Bad attitude to have. Mm. Thankfully, I didn't do anything stupid. And God, the universe, whatever, navigated me down. I crossed, came down all the way on, on jumping mouse, crossed over the fire road, and it heads back out towards the main vein, right? Mm -hmm. So, Mark, I'm driving, riding my bike down, and, and there's another cutoff with the trail. I think it takes you back through this wooded area. Well, my mind said you ought to take that trail, but the bike was already 10 yards past it. And instead of turning the bike around on the trail and coming in at the trailhead, I got the crazy idea of riding across through that brumble kind of brumble bush that's all along the sides there of yeah. the fire road. What I didn't know, four foot vertical straight down. Oh. So I came across it unknown to me, almost not even on the bike and in control. Just And the front wheel went straight down. Oof. And when it did, it hit the bottom, the fork bottomed out, threw me straight into the hard pan. My shoulder hit and the side of my head hit, almost Oof. split the helmet. But I separated my AC third degree on my right side. First time I'd ever broken a bone. I'd Ooh. been able to put an ice pack on it, but that was a separation. So um, STI mountain biker underscore. I just kind of want to give you a full picture. That scared the daylights out of me. I never hurt so bad. I picked myself up, picked my bike up, and I had to ride another mile and a half back to the car. And uh, when I got there, thankfully, there was another mountain biker. He had seen me come in holding my shoulder. He helped me get my car my bike and my car called my wife and we went to the ER. So I said all that to say it was the most painful injury other than my rib. The most painful injury I'd ever been through is this separation. I couldn't move my shoulder above it. So I had this war going on in my mind. You should be healing this fast. That comparison word that we used. Mm -hmm. I had to get rid of the ego and just decide that I was going to heal. But I loved this healing, Mark. And the reason I say it is because there was a fire that was lit in me. The doctor said it was going to take X amount of months to heal and before I could get back on the bike. And I said, it might take months to you, but it's not going to take months to me. 
So what I did is I, I, I um, yielded to their advice and I went to physical therapy and I would do physical therapy once a week, but every single day, it's that, it's that coffee cup on the rock in the middle of the morning at 420. It's the same guy that got out of bed and ran up the hill rather than drove his car. There was something that I found in me that drove me out every morning and I grabbed my bands, I grabbed my ball and my measurement to whether I was making progress is whether I could lift my coffee cup. <laughs> I could never lift my coffee cup only but inches. And pretty soon I could get my shoulder up away and I rehab myself in about four and a half weeks. They told me it would take three or four months to rehab myself. I opted not for surgery. The doc said there was nothing they could do with it except make it cosmetically. So the bump doesn't show up on my shoulder. And um, so rehab myself physically. And then um, I friend, I had to rehab myself mentally. Because all I could picture of myself when I went to Greer, what thought did I have in my mind, Mark? OTB. OTB yeah. and crashing. So I avoided Greer like the plague. Hmm. And I avoided anything rough um, like the plague. And uh, so what I had to do is I had to do what I'm telling you to do. I had to get up. I had to face the fear that was doubt and everything was going through my mind. And I would drudge myself up on that bike to the highest peak that scared the shit out of me. And I would let myself go down it mm. until I realized, like you said, you found that other guy who was able to conquer it. Mm -hmm. I went back and drew on some of that. And then I went up to uh, summit and I hit, um, uh, Oh gosh, what's that one where you fly? Um, Oh gosh, help me. 650 B. No, it's the one that when you're going up the lift, you see it. Miracle Mile. Oh, Miracle Mile. It's Miracle Mile. You know that rough section, that first drop in rucks. You know, it might not be rough to people, but it's got that rocky thing, and there's a couple of drops off of there. I went back up, and I just kept sending that thing, and nice. I kept putting myself in situations that scared me until they didn't scare me anymore. And then I kept rotating my arm, and I kept moving the body, and instead of instead of nursing it too much, I let it hurt. See, sometimes pain is good for us. It heals us faster. It mm -hmm. causes us to recover faster. So a mouthful, observe your doctor, make sure that you're doing what they think you should do, but then find that inner doctor of your own, make your goals, and then do the things that you need to do on a regular daily basis. Don't be stupid. Don't be foolish. Don't go be macho. It's not an ego thing at all. An, inner, an internal determination is not ego. And internal determination is a fuel that you find in your own soul. Nobody can give it to you. Nobody can pour it on you. But when you find it, activate that superpower and right. use that to heal yourself and use that to get back on the bike. So that's great. That makes sense. Great. That's great. You know, it's hearing you tell that story. It's interesting how, and it just dawned on me, and, and I'm sure you you can all relate to this. We physically heal faster sometimes than we mentally heal. Well and, it's, and it's so interesting because we're told how to like physical therapy and our bones do what they need to do. But a lot of times we don't look inside and, and start healing mentally. And in, in this case, you did. You forced yourself up to get to the highest peak and start doing things again and overcoming that fear, that doubt of going OTB again with a new set of lenses through experience. But it's interesting how if you hadn't done that, how much longer mentally would you have taken you to heal from that? And I think a lot of us maybe, you know, 
bow to that sometimes where we, we, we go, okay, I'm just not going to go there. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to push myself to that stent. And when we can realize that that is something that's mentally hurt from that experience and, and we can figure out how to heal that as well and become a stronger, better writer from that. And that's cool too, because you're doing mental exercises where you can overcome something like that and then take it into your personal life with other things. It, it can grow into something else. Which I'd is give a big shout out to Brian Chacon. He's uh, one of Adam Flock's or Adam Mock's flock. Um, Brian was very instrumental in helping me overcome that fear, um, Mark, because we were riding Slaughterhouse, that secret trail that nobody knows about. Yeah, uh, that was such a good video. Clinton Keith by the fire station. <laughs> by the fire station, right? Yeah, but but I remember Brian saying, and here, mountain bike community, you're listening tonight, and you've been through something that somebody hasn't experienced yet, or they have, they're one step behind you and they're looking to you to help them through it. That's why we're all important, so important to one another. Mm -hmm. So when I was on that trail, I was still a lot in my head. I just didn't have that confidence. And he was helping me learn how to drop. And there was like this two and a half, three foot rock drop on one of those trails. And I, I went around it and he, he helped me through it. He encouraged me without making me feel bad that I didn't know what I was doing. So he said, Jeff, I'm going to tow you in. I love those words. I'm going to tow you in. He mm -hmm. said, stay on my six. What I do, you do keep the same speed. But whatever you do, make sure you commit. And when you commit, you're going to send it. It's going to be fine. He said, whatever you do, don't hit the brakes, commit and stay on my six. And sure enough, Mark, I'm telling you, I was the heart's going right. Palpitations. Yeah. I'm getting faster, faster, faster. And I here, here it is. I reached a point of no return. There's nothing I could do except send it. Commitment. And I'm telling you what, when the front of the bike left the lip of that drop, there was, and I felt myself in midair, there was something that clicked in me, that doubt just disappeared. I was overcome with this confidence. And when I landed the bike without wipe, wiping out, I thought, oh, Jesus, thank you for protecting me. I got it. I did it. <laughs> and I went back and I did it like five or six times. And it was that breakthrough, Mark. It was that breakthrough. I took that experience, went to my own trails at the White Cross. And there's these drops, these wood drops. And I start sending those things, not hitting the brakes anymore. It just freed me. It set me free from the inside because I did it. And But if I would have never been able to do it, I would still be in that, I would be in that same shape. Somebody's watching. What haven't you done that you know that you should do? Not foolish. Mm -hmm. Not going to get yourself hurt, wreck your family. I'm not talking about that. You know what I'm talking about. You've set limits on your own self. Whether it's mountain biking, relationships, money, your job, what you think about yourself, you've set these limits. And the only way you're going to experience your breakthrough is to conquer that. And you can't conquer it unless you confront it. That's right. You got to confront it head on and you got conquer it. it. Yeah. And then it's no longer a burden. And then you grow and you go on to the next one. And right. you do the same thing over again. <laughs> exactly. And you keep stacking them up. And, and, and the one thing that's unanimous is you look back for a second and you go, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. You yeah. know what I mean? And I that. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. It's great. Um, one last question for you, Jeff. Um, this one comes in from Zach tumor warrior 67 says, what was his major in college and when did he want to become a motivational speaker? 
Okay, I have to tell one more story. And for all of the comments that are going on, I can't comment. I can't write in this, but I am so touched and so honored, Mark. I really am to see all these people and the community come out and support. And for you having me on, I am so, so grateful. Oh, man, love you, man. This is awesome. You've got such great stuff to share. I just, I feel like I'm converging on myself. I'm having this out of body kind of almost while I'm doing this because I've been this guy all my life. But this guy is just, it's like I tell people, my bike is better than I am. I'm just learning how to ride it yet. I'm just, I've been taking myself out for test drives for a long, long time. And just as I've gotten comfortable with the bike, I'm getting comfortable with me. And your platform and opportunities continue to give me a chance to be myself. And when I'm myself, you can't touch this. Nice. <laughs> take a take a take a uh, a line out of MC Hammer. MC right? Hammer. <laughs> but to answer the question, um, interesting quick story. College. I was married when I was younger. I moved from Indiana to California, five suitcases and a one-way plane ticket in 1988. Prior to that, I'd gotten married young at the um, disgust of my mom. She advised me not to, but I did. And the, my, my ex-wife wanted, her father was in the Air Force, and she wanted a husband that would go into the Air Force. Hmm. I don't know why she married me, because I had no interest in the Air Force, except I loved <laughs> to be a pilot. So anyway, long story short, she wanted me to go to college, because if I went into college, then I could go in as a second lieutenant in the Air Force, right? And so we moved to Georgetown, Kentucky, where I went to school at Georgetown College. I went there for a year and in that process was messing with my head, couldn't go through college, couldn't get through it, et cetera. And so I decided instead of going in through college, I would go in enlisted. And so I went down to take my physical um, in Louisville, Kentucky, Mark, and I found out that I was colorblind. Huh. I couldn't pass the colorblind test, means that I couldn't have anything to do with an airplane. Hmm. You talk about fate. There's nothing that I could do with an airplane. The only thing that I could do if, if I was in, would be a missileer officer, which was 300 feet below the ground in a missile silo. Oh. That would have been my assignment. So at the time that I was going through all of this, the um, armed forces was in what they called a delayed enlistment program. In other words, you got through your physical, you did all the background checks, et cetera. You were in this pool of people. And if you got your orders while you were in active in that pool, you were committed to go serve. If you decided to get out of that pool before you got your orders, you were free to go. No mm. service required. That's where I was at that point in my life. Now, watch this. I'm in a marriage that I shouldn't have been in to begin with. I'm going to a college that I never should have gone to to begin with. Why? Because I'm trying to please somebody that would eventually leave me anyway. Mm. And I found myself stuck trying to do something for somebody else when all the while inside of me, I'm hearing this voice. You better get out. You better get out. You better get out. So sure as I'm sitting here, I decided to opt out. We moved back to Indiana. I moved in with my brother. He was very successful in business and said he'd open some doors for me. So it gave me an option and I chose to get out. Would you believe it, Mark? Two weeks later in the mail, I got a notice from Uncle Sam that I was selected to go to Minot, North Dakota and serve 300 feet below the ground in the missileer officer unit. Oh, wow. If I would have not opted out, <laughs> wow. I would have not listened to myself. Who knows where I would be? Who wow. knows where I would be? So to say all of that, um, 
got divorced, five suitcases, one-way plane ticket, and came to California in 1988. And my mama, my mama, God rest her soul, she always told me, she said, Jeffrey Scott, she said, if you could ever find somebody to pay you to run that mouth of yours, <laughs> you would have it made. <laughs> and I went through so much hell, Mark, that I got hooked on self-expression. Mm. I got hooked on how do I tell my story? Not so people would hear me, but so people would hear the story and be able to apply it to their own soul and their own life. Mm. And that set me on this course of my, my life. I met the most marvelous teacher and mentor, Jim Rohn. Jim is no longer on the planet with us, but he was the grandfather of motivational speakers. Tony Robbins uh, got his start with Jim. In fact, Tony and I did the same thing for Jim. We used to promote Jim's seminar. That's how Tony Robbins got started in his wow. business. He promoted Jim Rohn and I did the same thing. Wow. So we would fly into a city. We would pack the auditorium, sell tickets, 2,000, 3,000 people. Um, I would sit on the front row, take copious notes as Jim shared his life wisdom with us. And then we'd sell back table products and we'd go to another city, drop in, do it every eight weeks. I was in a new city, but every eight weeks I was getting mentored by a very self-reliant, self-successful person. And he, and he spent time with me, wow. Mark. He spent time with me, teaching me these principles of life. And I remember him, him telling me, he said, Jeff, do me a favor. He said, I want you to make a list of all of the reasons, all of the things that are keeping you from being successful. And I want you to show me your list. And so I went back to the hotel, copious notes, making all these things of the reasons why I wasn't successful. And uh, I brought my list back to him and showed him. And he's studying the list. He's an old, he got glasses, glasses down on the nose, right? Studying the list, looking at me, studying the list. He said, there's only one problem with your list, Jeff. I said, what's that, Mr. Rohn? He said, you're not on it. Mm. He I said, what do you mean? Said, different, you're not right? on it. You got all these other reasons, but you're not in it. He said, the major determining factor of how your life works out, son, is you. And wow. it has nothing to do with anybody else. And that moment, that word was another mental shift for me. And from that moment forward, I went to work on myself and I swore to myself that I would get inside of me and fix me and bring this me out of me that I was born and created to be. And I would find my destiny and I would find my purpose and I wouldn't quit in life. Nothing could kill me. Nothing could take me out. I wouldn't until I got to do what I believe that I was called to do. So motivational speaking was the outlet for sharing my stories and sharing my experience with others. And I got hooked on it. I got hooked on the look in the people's eyes, Mark, that would go, oh my God, I get it. I am worth it. When they walk away from your podcast, brother, and you feel so honored because you didn't do anything. You were a vessel that allowed experience all of this to flow through you and impart into somebody else. And it changed that life, changed that one. That one got pissed at you, but understood <laughs> it later. And then they applied it and then they applauded. And then it just happened that way. So it, and I think we all have that. We have that scarlet thread that leads us through life. We just got to reach for it every once in a while to make sure we're holding it. And it'll, it'll guide us through. It'll guide us through. Love that. Love that. Jim Rowe, man, that's incredible. I had, I had no idea. I love that. Wow. He's Jeff. a phenomenal, he's a phenomenal human being. I remember seeing, I didn't get to make one of his last seminars, his last public appearances before he died, but his last public appearance, he would not start his seminar until he personally thanked and shook hands 
with the thousands and thousands of people that came to that seminar. They kept coming up to him, Mary Kay, all of these entrepreneurs that came, were, were credited him for their personal success came up to honor him before he died. It was the most magnificent thing I've ever witnessed. So uh, wow. very cool. Very we all got that in us. Yeah. It's not just him. It's not just me. It's, we all got that in us, Mark. So. I love that he was able to help share that with, with so many people. And, and I love that you and Tony Robbins are, are continuing that in your own ways and, and really just planting that seed that you don't always have to look to a lighthouse. You can actually become one. You don't, you don't always have you to. You got to say that again. You got to say that again. Yeah. You don't always have to look to a lighthouse. You can become one. You could become one. MTV Raging says, Rad Podcast Mark, my bromance continues. My bromance grows. <laughs> thanks, Craig. Uh, and he says, Jeff, kudos. And thanks for sharing amazing nuggets. And, and everybody that's on tonight, we are um, definitely, we are so lucky to have Jeff on the, on the podcast, sharing his wisdom. And uh, Jeff has been very generous in, in offering up and an hour for free. What Jeff does on the side too is, or not on the side as, as his profession. Well, actually Jeff, I should let you uh, take it from here. Um, but Jeff has an offer for anybody who feels like they might be struggling in their life or has a calling to, to, to make that shift, to do something different. Um, Jeff, I'll go ahead and let you uh, take it from there. Jeff's offering something extremely valuable to, to anybody who needs it. Yeah, I, I appreciate it, Mark. I just talked to you and my heart is, is that I know how important it is to be towed in, to have somebody there for us in our corner when we're going through. And I have my own speaking and coaching business. I've had it for years. Um, I do a lot of life coaching, a lot of one-on-one -on -one consulting and coaching uh, with entrepreneurs at all levels, with mountain bikers or riders at all levels. Uh, wherever you're at in life, you just might seem stuck. You might be in one of those situations where you need somebody to tow you over and until it shifts in you and you can do that on your own. And uh, so I want to offer anybody who's listening um, a free consultation, a free coaching call. You can go to my website, jeffcroom.com, and you can go underneath the coaching. And then if you use the promo code, um, the segment, use the promo code, the segment, it will get you in through a breakthrough coaching session with me. I think the coaching session on our calendar mark is a 30 minute coaching session, but I have control over that. That's just to get you into the door. My heart is one session with me. I can help you break through whatever area you're at at that particular moment, gives you some nuggets and wisdoms that you can hold on to and apply. And then if you decide you want to come back and build an ongoing relationship with me, we can talk about that another time. But I would be honored, anybody, anybody at all that you, you are wrestling and you're struggling and you need somebody to tow you in, um, you reach out and, and I'd be honored to help. So. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, and and for the folks that are listening here to the live, this will apply to the folks that are on the live. But if you happen to catch this podcast on Spotify or iTunes and it's months or even years down the road, um, Jeff has agreed to keep that promo code, the segment. If you go to jeffcroom.com, that's J-E-F-F-C-R-U-M-E.com and apply that, uh, that code, the segment, and that will still be valid at the time that you need yeah. it. So Jeff, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight. Uh, producer Joey Yates backstage. Thank you so much for taking thank the controls. Um, Jeff, 
Is there anywhere else that uh, people can follow your journey? Obviously, we have the website, jeffkroom.com, but where else could they find you and follow you? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. The best thing to do is just search Jeff Kroom. There is another Jeff Kroom. He's like an engineer, um, and he might pop up, but you'll see me on YouTube. You'll see me on my website. You'll see me on Instagram. If you just search my name, um, I will come up. Um, yeah, you can find me all over. I've got a lot of, uh, we're, we're just getting ready to release some more um, content, um, redoing our channel, making sure that we can uh, bring some of them out. What I've done is taken the whole motivational world, which is really fun, and the mountain bike world and the lessons of mountain bike, and we're merging those together. So we're, you'll see some new developments coming too. But we're on YouTube, um, the Instagram, and uh, my website. So and, you know, if, if um, you know, I know with COVID, it's really been hard, the in-person speaking and that those types of things have kind of slowed down. But if, if, if you're a business owner or if you're um, somebody that is looking for a speaker, looking for somebody to come in to share, I'd be honored to be considered for that as well. I'd be happy to come to your organization and we could talk about those things as well, Mark. So wonderful wonderful cool. and i'll put all of those in the description notes if you guys want to head over to the description after the you listen to the podcast or see this you'll see all of the contacts there for the instagram the youtube and his website so you can get a hold yeah. of jeff there yeah. all right ladies and gentlemen everybody thank you so much jeff Kroom. everybody a big shout out to everybody who has stayed thank you thank you thank you for your comments Great thank you mark you for having me you're welcome, brother. Great work. And uh, we'll see you all on the next episode. I'm exhausted. I'm going to go to bed now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>